0: Somebody better give it up for Selka. You know you're making a difference. God's not done with you yet. The best is yet to come. Selka, you're gonna be a warrior for Jesus. I love it. There are stories all over this room of transformed lives, and we are celebrating that as a church. Something special is happening in this place. And when we simply come to Jesus, he does everything, he makes all the difference in the world. Well, we are in week two of this series. I wanna welcome everybody that's joining us online on Facebook Live. We're so glad that you're able to tune in this morning. And when you get a chance, we can't wait to have you join us here at this place. Well, we are in the series, Making Jesus Lord. It is the dynamic power of laying down your rights. We're in a six-week series. Last week was the first week And we are doing a sermon-based series where we're going to break off out of this into groups. So all week long, there are groups that are going to be happening. And if you are not in a group, I know there's a whole bunch of people that are looking to get into a group still. And so uh, there's a way to do that. There's going to be a table out here. You'll see a television on your way out the door that has a, it'll say uh, TRC groups on it. And you can go there and you can meet a group leader and get connected into a group. There should be group leaders that are going through inviting people into their group. And so we're looking forward to that. And it's not too late, you absolutely get connected. And I wanna just tell you, we're gonna be talking about things that are somewhat controversial as we walk through this series because we're talking about making Jesus Lord over every aspect of our life. And you're gonna wanna be able to be in a group to discuss The things that we're talking about uh, because it's not going to be enough to just sit in Sunday and hear what we're talking about. You want to go and study the scriptures. You want to go get into a group and be able to apply this stuff into your life. Well, we are uh, in week two, and so this series really is all about the idea of laying down our rights, It's based off of this verse right here, Mark chapter eight, verse 34 through 35. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. And everybody say it together, follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, everyone together, will save it. So here's here's what's happening. This is a short life. It's an unpredictable life. We don't know what all is going to happen to us in this life. There's a whole lot of difficulty. There's a whole lot of ups and downs that we walk through in this life. And what the Bible tells us is that if if we're willing to lose our life, if we're willing to lay our life down in this uncertain life, in this uncertain world, if we're willing to let go of what we have, then then the Bible tells us that that God will give us a better life now, that he'll do amazing things through us now, and we will be storing up something for eternity, that we'll find actual, real life. The Bible says in another place, life more abundantly. So, So my prayer for you during this series, my hope for you, is that as we go through this, that if there's anything that you're holding on to, if maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's your money or your possessions that we would just kind of let those things go that nothing would keep us from our mission here on earth. Maybe we're holding on to, to our, our sin. Maybe we're holding on to our dreams for the future, our hopes. Maybe it's just simple like I have, I, I feel like I have a long life to live and I want to experience things my way. Maybe it's just as simple as I want to have the right to self-determine. And, and it's my earnest hope for you that we would just lay down everything that we're holding on to, to Jesus. That we would surrender our lives, that we would be willing to deny ourselves and follow him. And so that's, that's my greatest prayer and that's, that's what we're gonna do this week. We're gonna talk about this week, laying down the right, laying down our rights in the area of money in our finances. And so we're gonna talk about, and I know it's like, here we go, we're gonna talk about money again. Jesus talked about money three times more than he talked about any other topic. And so we're we're just gonna dig into it. There's no way that we can make Jesus Lord of our life and skip making Jesus Lord over our finances. I remember uh, so in the book, this, this guy, Lauren Cunningham, he's the founder of YWAM. If you don't have the book, you can just look it up, get it off of Amazon, download it, and you'll be able to read it. Lauren Cunningham steps out and he lives by faith. And I remember reading this book when I was probably 16 years old. And I thought, oh man, that would be awesome. I'm gonna go live by faith. And, and in my head, I had this idea that what, what it took to live in faith was you go into your room, you shut the door, and then you begin to pray. And then God begins to send checks in the mail. And, and then anything you need to do, it's just I prayed it in. I was living by faith and the check came in the mail. And that was my 16 year old understanding of what it meant to live by faith. But, but then, then as I grew, it was still a passion inside of me but I began to discover that that's not how it works. That's, That's not what living by faith means, because in that scenario, I was disobeying quite a few of God's instructions for how I ought to be handling money. So a better picture of that looks like this. When I was living in Springfield, Missouri, I was working and I was selling Toyota trucks. I was the number one truck salesman in the number one truck dealership in a five-state region, if you don't know anything about like Missouri, that's truck country, y'all. Like these people are big time about their trucks. If you're driving a little compact car, you're not gonna be able to survive long on the roads. People are driving four-wheel drive trucks around flat city streets with like stacks, diesel engines, and like you have no business needing four-wheel drive in Springfield, Missouri but I'll sell it to you. I'm gonna make some good money selling that truck to you. And so I made a good, good deal of money and as I was working there, I felt God speaking to my heart to quit my job and start an after-school mentoring program. So I came home, I talked to my wife, I said, babe, I think, I think, I'm, I think God's calling me to quit my job. I'm gonna start an after-school mentoring program. And she was like, hmm, that's wonderful, honey. I was like, <laughs> what are we going to do now? And so, so I, I walked into my pastor's office. I said, Pastor, I feel God doing this. He said, that's great. You're welcome to start this after-school mentoring program. There's no money in the budget, but you can make a run at it. I said, that's all I need to hear. Because if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And so, so I went out and we started going to training. It, started, it cost me money to start this after-school mentoring program. I didn't make money. It cost me money to be obedient to God. And so then, then what happened is I started sending out fundraising letters. And so people started to send in a little bit of fundraising support. And that's, that's kind of like, oh, well, uh, all the money's not coming in through fundraising letters. So so a couple weeks later, my pastor called me and he said, would you be willing to be the part-time children's pastor at this other campus? And, and I said, no. And then my wife talked to me and she said, well, you might better think about that because there's at least a little bit of pay that's attached to that position. And so I said, yes. And so... So now I was working part-time as a children's pastor doing full-time work because my, my thing was I got a motor that runs and I can't shut it off. And so, so I was. if we're gonna do it, I took nine kids my first week in a, in a basement in a church that smelled of mold. There was literally rat turd around on the floor. The place was dirty and filthy and I thought I, I'm in paradise because I got a place that we can fix up and we're gonna fill this place with, ch- with children and we're gonna do something here. Like a place that anybody else looked at and they would have been like this, what have you done? And I just thought, you know what, we're gonna hustle. We're gonna make a run at it. So now I'm children's pastoring and, and then I'm doing the after school mentoring program and that's all full time and still we're not still covering the bills. And so then I started on the weekends, I started doing pest control. I was, a, I was, doing, I, I was out like spraying bugs, got my certification. And I, that was back-breaking labor. I, I'd go out with a pickaxe and, and, and dig a ditch around houses all day long and spray the chemical ends for the termites, fill the ditches back up. It's nothing more exciting than digging ditches that you then turn around and fill up again. But that's what living by faith looked like. And during that season of time, as I was absolutely hustling, my wife was absolutely hustling, working hard, digging in, doing everything we could do, there were moments when what we brought in was not enough, but because we were living in obedience, God made up for the lack. God always came through on time. And it was somehow, as we were being industrious and as we were kind of doing everything that we needed to do, why there was a, a, an evangelist that came on a Sunday morning or and, and, and he began to preach about starting churches in Africa. And he said he needed to raise $10,000 to plant churches. And here I am, we're, we're basically living on what amounted to be less than a quarter of what I used to make at Toyota. And we happened to have $1,000 in the bank account, maybe a little more, and I felt God say, Will, I want you to give $1,000 to plant churches. And I thought, well, all right, Jesus. So I talked to my wife. She loves these conversations. (laughs) Don't you, (laughs) man? And, and we wrote a check. Somehow we had checkbooks back then. That was still like before you could just take your phone out and text to give, or I don't even know how people do it, like a checkbook, I, I've forgotten what it even looks like, but I took, we took the checkbook out, we wrote a check for $1,000 to plant a church, to start churches in Africa. Now I didn't think anything of it at the time, I really didn't, it was just, look, God said to give it, I gave it, Psh, amazing, thank you Jesus. But you know something, the Bible says that if, if we're willing to lose our life for the gospel, we'll save it. See, everything that's happening right now is investing into something in the future. There's not one thing that's happening in your life today that's not preparation for something tomorrow. See, I, didn't, I didn't have church planting, I didn't know that God was gonna call me into church planting someday. I didn't have any concept that maybe I was going to be called of God to step out in faith. Well, what I realize now is I look back on that $1,000 gift, and the Bible says it this way that if, if a seed goes into the ground, it'll bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold. And we watched as God called us into church planting. I just said, Yes, God, I'll go. God, I'll go and I needed to raise close to $200,000, we had to have a $120,000 in cash to be able to plant this church, to, so that y'all could be here. Somebody else sacrificed for you to be in your seat today. What I believe is that, that the moment I said yes to that $1,000 gift in Africa, God released all the fundraising we needed for this place here in Binghamton that there is, in a life of faith, a multiplication that comes in obedience. That whatever we lose, whatever we're willing to let go of, whatever we're willing to lay down, that God returns it multi-fold. But the the biggest decision moment is the moment to let go, to truly lose control to truly lay down our finances. So I'm gonna talk about what faith looks like, what it looks like to surrender our money to Jesus, to lay down our rights to our finances. So so this is God's plan for your finances. The first step in God's plan is to make all you can. God, if you're gonna surrender your rights to your finances, the first thing you need to do is get hustling. We need to get out and get busy making money. It's like, "Oh, what church have we walked into today? Not too many churches are telling you so here's here's the reality of this. This is a dangerous thing to tell people because money is deceitful and 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 most of the time i'm and, Pastors will not give you the whole picture of what the Bible says because this is a dangerous thing. But I'm gonna give you the whole counsel of the word of God today. You need to hear it. You need to process it. And I'm gonna give you the warnings that come with this where the Bible is absolutely clear that you and I are to make all we can in obedience to God. So here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27, it says, the lazy... Do not roast any game. It's talking about going hunting. You're not gonna bring home anything to put in your stew pot. You're not gonna put anything on the grill if you're lazy, but the, but the, everybody what? The diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. In other words, God has this expectation for us to get busy, to begin generating, to get out work, Do everything that you need to do so that God can do the rest. So so the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. It says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse four, lazy hands make for poverty, but what kind of hands? But diligent hands bring wealth. Make all you can. A lot of times people don't wanna give because, well, I don't feel like I have enough to give. And part of that comes down to that God will help us to generate wealth. God will help us to generate finances. As a follower of Jesus, I surrender my right to be lazy. There's all there is to it. Like, take another job. Get your side hustle on. Find another way to generate income. So Proverbs has this amazing picture of the most liberated woman you'll ever find. Proverbs chapter 31. I, I will be, we would be hard pressed to find a more progressive woman than the Proverbs 31 woman. And this is, what, this is the ideal woman, Proverbs 31. And I think we can learn a bunch from her example. It says she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She's out hustling. She is out making it happen. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. So so if you are interested in making all that you can, let me just tell you this question, If, if If you want to produce more, ask yourself this, what am I willing to do that others refuse to do? I'll tell you right now, if you're willing to do the things that nobody else wants to do, you will always make money. If you're willing to to go places, you're willing to go spray bugs, you'll always make money. So, So this Proverbs 31 woman, she's willing to get up while it's still night. She's willing to go get her food from afar. She's got eager hands. What are you willing to do that others aren't willing to do? You find that space, you find what others can't do that you can do, and you are always gonna be able to make more. So, Proverbs 31, 16 says, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So here she is, she's producing wealth and now she's investing. And so what good ideas or opportunities can you invest in? There's ways for us to generate more wealth. What are some of these good ideas that we just missed on? Like like I, I had that opportunity, I didn't do it. I was too, I was too afraid or I, I didn't feel like I should step out there to do it. So there's all these different ways that we could make more. So she sets about her work vigorously her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So what expertise and skills do I have that I can market? There's some things that you can do right now. Maybe it's mow a yard. Maybe it's put a lemonade stand out. Maybe it's to take magazines from one place that you can get on a discount and sell another at a markup, I don't know what expertise or skills that you have, but there's something that God's put in you because God is allowing you to generate wealth. Now, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is crafty. She's taking stuff and making stuff, so is there something that I can make that I can sell? There's websites like Etsy, there's Craigslist, there's garage sales, there's all kinds of ways you could buy something on Craigslist and flip it and sell it back on Craigslist for more. So, so God wants us to make all we can because I'm not living this life for me. The purpose of making all we can is because I am willing to be obedient to God, I, I, I can't tell you enough that we have to be diligent, that I surrender my right to be lazy, I have to surrender my right to my finances, I surrender my right to how I function, and so now as an obedient follower of Jesus Christ, I'm gonna start hustling to make more money. And let me tell you like this, we don't pursue money because here's the, I told you this is a dangerous thing because the love of money is what most people hear when we say pursue, go make all you can. all the greedy people say yes, amen. And the reality of it is this is not about pursuing money, this is about pursuing God. If I'm gonna lay down my rights to my finances, that means that I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna make all that I can for God's kingdom. Because everything that I have belongs to Him. We could read it this way in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. This is the warning to the Israelites as they get ready to go into the promised land, as they get ready to go into the land flowing with milk and honey, a place that's gonna be profitable, a place that they're gonna get rich in, prosperity. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. See, if, if we're not surrendered in our ability to make money We're going to say, yeah, I made all of this. This is mine. This belongs to me. See this pile of wealth? I did this. I'm amazing. Look at the poor people. Look at the poor people. They're not diligent. They're not working. I was diligent. I worked hard. See, if, if we don't surrender, that's what can come out of our mouth. The reality of it is this, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce. Wealth And even as I say this, as I've been talking about, go out and make all you can. He said, I can't make anything. I have disabilities. I have things that are keeping me from being able to make money. I don't know how I can make money. And I want you to know it is the Lord, your God, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so you have to remember that God gives me the ability. I can, but also remember that it was God that gave me the ability. And so his The wealth that that is generated in your life confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors to you as it is today. So this is God's sign in your life as you begin to surrender your right to your finances. You say, I'm gonna make all that I can. Then, number two is we save all we can. You're gonna make all you can and then you're gonna Save all you can. So here's, here's what it looks like. We save all we can in obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. obedience to God. Now here's what, what most of us do. When most of us start making more money, we immediately begin spending more money. How many people know what you're gonna do when you win the lottery? I'm gonna buy three houses, one for my mom, one for my wife's mom, and then one for me. I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna go tell my boss where he can stick it. And I'm gonna drive a Maserati. That's my weekend car. I'm gonna have a Humvee with skis on it. It's gonna go into the water. I'm gonna buy someone's lake. I'm gonna ruin it for fun. Right? We got, all, we got all kinds of ways to pre-spend money we don't have. And, and so what, what we have in us is we have this need. We have, see, when, when we say that we're going to save all we can, we immediately step into making Jesus Lord over our life. Because our culture tells us spend everything. In fact, if you look at your neighbors, they are so leveraged in debt. And you, we're looking around at each other like, I need that, he's got that, he's and they're buried in debt. And so if you are ever gonna think about being generous, if you are ever gonna think about following Jesus with your finances, you've already spent what belongs to God. So here, let me show you a little math. If you make a million dollars, all you lottery winners, and then the rest of us who are gonna hustle, If you make a million dollars and you spend a million 25,000, what do you have? Negative 25,000. Don't care how big the number is that you make. If you spend more than you make, you are poor. I don't care what this culture is telling you. Because this is what Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 21, verse 20. It says, The wise store up choice, food, and oil. What do we do with it? We store up. Everybody together. Store up. One more time, just make me feel good. Store up. But fools gulp. There's down. I got it. I ate it. Where'd that steak go? I ate it. We were saving that for tomorrow, I ate it. We were gonna have a party on Thursday, I ate it. If you don't save it, if you don't store it up, you're not being faithful to Jesus. You wanna surrender your right to your finances, you need to let go of what God has given you and you need to say no to followers of Jesus, we give up the right to impulse spending. Oh, pastor, I hate you. <laughs> right, I hate this guy. He just told me I can't go get my triple mocha latte frappuccino that I have to have this Sunday morning before I go to church, and then I get one on my way home and then if I happen to be in the mood, yeah, it's all, we're just living by our feelings, we're living by our emotions, it'll make me feel so good. How many impulse spenders? Come on now, shun the devil, tell the truth. You know it, I'm an impulse food spender. How many are impulse food spenders? I get to have it. how many are impulse clothing spenders? How many are whatever else spenders? All right, that's, that's all of us. So we have to learn to say no. We have to learn to say no. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Proverbs 13, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. See, when you, when you make Jesus Lord, when you surrender your life to the, you surrender your rights to your finances. You save all you can. Not so I can build up a pile of money to say, hey, look at me. We're surrendering our rights so that my children's children can have an inheritance. It's not for me. Everybody say, it's not for me. Because I surrendered my right to it. See, I was working, I'm hustling, I'm doing all the things I do, but I surrendered my right to get my hands on it. And so that's, that's what we gotta do. So let me give you a couple questions that'll help you to save all you can. Number one, do I have a budget? You better write this down. Do I have a budget? Some of us are like, I have never even considered a budget. I get money, I spend money. That's right, a lot of us in the room, and you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life? In our area of finance, we're gonna have to build a budget because there's no way to plan for the future. There's no way to store up without it. You gotta put a budget together. Number two, does my budget restrict my spending to allow for savings? Here's how this works. You just say, I tried a budget. I got more expenses on my budget, then I have income. You know what you need to do? Make all you can. Find another way to generate income to the level that you can begin saving. Right? So these two go hand in hand. Everybody gets frustrated with their budget because I don't make enough for my expenses. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna cut our expenses. It's gonna hurt. It's not gonna feel real good to tighten the belt when you tighten that belt, starts all circular. I thought I needed that. Please, Starbucks. Now I can pick on Starbucks, I don't care about Starbucks. So, so don't talk to me about Mexican food though. Jesus, we'll, we'll talk about that later at response time. So, so does my budget restrict my spending and allow for savings? I might have to increase my income I might have to decrease what I spend. Then, this is the key question to the budget. Do I stick to the budget? Right, the budget is not worth anything. If when you write the budget, you immediately throw it in the trash. Right, I wrote a budget, I did what pastor said. I wrote a budget and then I threw it away. And I just continue to do everything the way that I've always done everything. So you gotta make all you can. You gotta save all you can. And then we're going to, oh, I'm gonna skip all that. That's good, skip, skip, skip. It's great. Give all you can. All right? Make all you can. Save all you can. Now. Now. Guess what God's been doing? Because you have Given God the rights to your finances, who does it belong to? It belongs to God. Now God gets to say where it goes. Now that's radical. I was talking through this with my wife and she's like, are we, are you gonna say? She was like, we got to this slide. I was like, we give all we can in obedience to God, right? It's like, wait. Uh, we surrender uh, the right to control our money. Wait, I, I, I control my money. I control my money. Nobody tells me, well, I, I worked hard to make this money. Nobody tells me what to do with it. And let me tell you right now, you absolutely have the right to say that. You are absolutely Correct. You do not have to give God your money. You don't have to. You don't have to follow Jesus. No one's gonna force you to follow Jesus. We voluntarily surrender our rights to Jesus because we are demonstrating our love to him. There's nothing that we can surrender that that Jesus did not first. Surrender. So as followers of Jesus, we surrender the right to control our money. Ask God what he would have us to do with our money and simply, everybody say this together, obey what he tells us. a guy came to the church said, hey, would you give a $1,000? Well, he didn't say that to me. He just said, I need $10,000 to plant churches in Africa. And I said, God, what would you have me do and God said, give a $1,000. Oh, that's all of it, God. That's all of it. I've been working hard. I've been doing all the things. I've been out hustling. I've been, that's not my money. See, when we, when we step out and we live in faith and we surrender the rights to our finances, here's, it, it, when we just obey what God tells us, it frees us from so much manipulation. See, there's all kinds of ways. Let me show you how God sets us free. When we're just willing to obey God, when I say, okay, God, it's all yours, it all belongs to you, now what would you have me do? Here's what it frees us from. It frees us from guilt-driven giving. You show up, and I show you all the pictures of the crying children. And I tell you how you're not doing enough. And it's disgusting, us fat Americans and all the blessings that we have and we're taking advantage of and you go to some other place. And, and, and so we just get manipulated. Just just guilt driven like, oh, and, and it feels icky. And we're trying to figure out, am I allowed to have money? One of us will do it. It's not my money. So here's what I just do. I just say, God, what would you have me do for those kids? Sometimes God says, Nothing, don't do anything. Somebody else will do something. Sometimes he says, you better give. Sometimes he says, you're gonna give this amount and that's what I give. And so it saves us from all of that because all I'm gonna do, since he has everything, I'm making all I can, I'm saving all I can, and now I'm gonna give all that I can and I don't have to give any other way, because I've surrendered all, I'm just gonna obey God, and I don't have to worry about guilt. Now, I don't have to worry about giving out of greed. You've probably heard this line somewhere. If you give $1,000 in the offering today, I will pray the 100-fold blessing, and God will return to you $100,000. It's like a give-to-get scheme. It's a quick get-rich you're gonna invest into the church and he's gonna flip it and he's gonna make it, he'll make all that money build up for you. And you know what you're giving? You're not giving to God, you're giving to greed. If you're giving to get, you are, are not giving to God. And whatever you're sowing in that moment, it may be going to the church, but it's not going to God. And so you can't sow greed and reap Generosity. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. And so when you give out of obedience, it keeps us from some get rich, from somebody manipulating us into giving out of greed. The other thing that happens is some people, rich. so like rich people, they give the big, I'm a a, pastor, I'm gonna write a check to the church for $150,000, but you're gonna put my name on the church. Right? They want to have influence. They want to have strings attached to their giving. And, and, and when you start making money and you start understanding the power that you could wield when you have a lot of money, there is a strong temptation to God, kind of, you know what, I'm going to just kind of advance my thing a little bit. So I'm going to do something good, but I'm going to attach me to it. And so if you're rich, don't give to gain power. We give out of obedience with no strings attached. And then finally, it it saves us from being stingy. Make all you can, save all you can, and then we wanna walk away. Hey, I did it. And when we give out of obedience, we don't have to be stingy anymore. We just obey. And it just makes it so simple. It makes it so much easier. Because now I'm doing, now I'm, I'm obeying God in every aspect of my life. I'm making all that I can. I'm giving all that I can. And you know what God does? There's miracles that begin to be released into your life. That when when you come up into that moment and you've been generous and you've been doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, God begins to just release blessing and He begins to put some outpouring into your life. He's promised that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll always take good care of you. You don't have to worry where you're gonna lay your head or you don't have to worry about the food that you're gonna eat. You don't have to worry about the clothes that you're gonna wear. You don't have to worry about it because God has it all. And so that's, that's the command. Here's, here's, here's the final. We're gonna wrap it up with this. I've had the team come back. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. The, the stock market could change. You're saving all you can, you put it in a bank account, you thought it was FDIC insured, next thing you know, whew, economic earthquake in America, the banks fail, who knows, I don't know. It's just uncertain. But put your hope in in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, the biggest lie in all of this, the biggest lie in all of this is that God wants to torture you. See, if you surrendered your money, you wouldn't have a good, you you just, God's gonna take it all. Some kind of cult, they want everything. And it's the biggest lie that the devil can get you to buy into is this idea that God, when you surrender to God, he's not gonna give you something better. That when you surrender to God, he's not gonna do something greater in your life. And I imagine there's a whole bunch of turmoil. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your personal life. There's a whole bunch of turmoil in this area of finances. And it all comes from The idea that I I can't surrender to God, I need to control these things. And and I will find true enjoyment in life. I will find true happiness if I control it. But what does God wanna do? God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God knows you, he sees you, he knows right where you're at today. He knows every single care, he knows every single worry, and God will take care of you. And not only will he take care of you, I'm not talking about subsistence, I'm talking about enjoyment. And when we surrender to God, he gives us everything for our enjoyment. So here's here's what Timothy says. This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, command them. This is a strong imperative. This is a, the way Paul is writing this, he's saying, Very forcefully tell them, like an officer in the military, you have no option now. It's a direct command. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. Everybody say, be generous. One more time, be generous and willing to share. We've surrendered everything to God. He's got all my finances, he's got it all. Now, command them to do good. It's not just my money. If you're so busy, if you're so busy making money that you no longer have time to be rich in good deeds, it's time to ask, who am I serving? God wants us to make all we can. He wants us to save all we can. And he wants us to give all we can. And in this way, we make Jesus Lord over our finances. Make Jesus Lord over this area of our life that is ripe for the enemy to come in and deceive us, to trick us, to give us all kind of bad teaching. And so here's here's what we're gonna do to respond today. And, And I think, there's a couple of ways we can do this. Everybody has a little respond card in their seat, and I just want to take a couple of seconds to challenge us as we wrap up this service to just develop a couple of goals in this area of our lives. Like, like, do I need to make more money? What can I do to generate income or generate wealth? How can I, how can I make more? And then just make a goal. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna increase my income this year by, by $3,000. I don't know what, what your thing is. I just want you to begin to talk to God and, and work through this, develop a goal. And then, and then you might have a goal to spend less. Maybe it's you're gonna sit down with your spouse and build a budget. Maybe you're gonna sit down and, and talk through this because if you can have alignment in your finances with your spouse, then you're gonna have agreement in every area of your relationship. Because when your money priorities line up, it lines up almost every other area of your life. So maybe, maybe you have a goal to spend less. And then finally, a goal to give more. You're gonna give your time, you're gonna do good deeds. In fact, here in a couple moments, we're gonna do the next steps lunch, and in that lunch is the serve lunch. You, some of the ways you can serve, you can open your home to host a small group. You might say, look, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna join the, the team and I'm, just, I'm gonna carry stuff in and out. I, I don't have a lot of money right now, but what I can give is good deeds. What I can give is I can give my time. What I can do is I can be generous with how I serve. I'm gonna be here week in and week out. I'm gonna get my hustle on for Jesus. And so you just write a goal and then, and then once you develop a goal, then I want you to create a plan of action. Here's the thing that I'm going to do to make this goal happen. So It's this next step. Like, okay, I got a goal. Hey, great. Wandering around, wondering how I'm going to make the goal happen. Now put an action step in place for how I'm going to do that. And then Prepare a specific timetable. Put a put a deadline on it. If you don't have a deadline on your goal, it'll never happen. So you know when you're going to do it. And so just in the next couple of minutes as we're going to respond, I want to have you the opportunity to really surrender to make Jesus Lord of your life. And then maybe there's some things that God's challenging you to do. You could write down some goals, create some action steps, and put a timetable on it. And then, and then the ultimate verse is this verse, Mark eight thirty four, because I think in, in just a big wholesale picture, it looks like this, that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Forever, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So, so the big question is are you willing to surrender your finances? Willing to lay down your rights so that nothing will get in the way of your mission here on earth. Just every head bow and every eye close. It's not just surrender the rights to our finances, that's that's one question. There's this whole other really big question is that are you willing to surrender your life to Jesus? Are you willing to make Jesus Lord of your life? Are you willing to follow Jesus? You might've come today. It might've been your first time to ever walk through the doors of your church. It might be that you've been in church your whole life, but nobody's ever asked you to make Jesus Lord. No one's ever said, you know what? You you need to surrender your life to Jesus. And if you wanna have a relationship with God, the Bible says that Jesus died on a cross to take all of our sin, our sin separates us from God. And then what it takes for us to begin making Jesus Lord of our life is that we would surrender our life, surrender our sin, Jesus carried it on the cross and then we simply receive His grace. And then we begin obeying Him. And the Bible says when you do that, when you say, Jesus, I, I, I surrender my life to you to make you Lord of my life, What happens is you're gonna be made brand new. God puts a new spirit in you, you are transformed. You're not just a better version of you, you are a brand new version. God does a supernatural work in your heart.